Welcome to Hallowed, Exploring the Lives of the Saints. Episode 22, Molokai. I'm your host, Tom Thorne, and in this podcast, I'll be taking you on a journey through the lives, adventures, trials, and triumphs of the great heroes of the Christian faith. Today, we'll be talking about one of the most remarkable saints of the modern age, a man who quite literally gave his life to serve others, the missionary priest and martyr of charity, St. Damien of Molokai. Damien was born Joseph de Wuster on the 3rd of January, 1840, in the small Belgian town of Tremolo. His parents were farmers, and he was the youngest of seven kids in a big Catholic family. Like many boys of his station, he studied at school until he was 13 years old, when he had to put his education on hold to help his family on the farm. But young Joseph had bigger dreams, dreams that would one day take him far from the world he had known. By the time he was a teenager, three of his older siblings were already pursuing vocations to the priesthood and the religious life, and Joseph wanted to follow in their path. He worked for his parents for five years, until, when he was 18, he received an offer to join the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary, or SSCC, the same priestly order that had received his big brother, Auguste. Entering the congregation as a novice, Joseph took the saintly name by which he is known to this day, Damien. Although he may not have foreseen it at the time, the name would prove very fitting. The original Saint Damien, honored alongside his brother Saint Cosmas, was an Arabic doctor from the early church. Remembered down the centuries as a patron of physicians and others who care for the sick. If you don't already know the story of our Damien, you'll soon realize why his name was so well chosen. After a couple years of study, Damien completed his novitiates and became a formal brother of the congregation at the age of 20. Since he'd had to forgo schooling to help his parents on the farm, he initially struggled to gain the approval of his superiors to continue with his priestly training. But, with help from his big brother Auguste, who was already a priest of the congregation, he managed to learn Latin and finish his seminarian studies. All the while, he began to dream of an even greater calling. The life of a missionary. It's no surprise that he cultivated a strong devotion to that most heroic of missionary saints, Francis Xavier. And if you'd like to learn more about him, you can go back and listen to episode 15. Several years later, Damien finally received his chance. His brother Auguste had been assigned on a mission that would carry him all the way to the Hawaiian Islands. But, at the last moments, Auguste got sick and couldn't travel. So Damien 
was chosen to go in his stead. Those who remember the story of Francis Xavier may see a similarity here. Xavier had been allowed to travel to Asia due to a companion's last-minute illness. History doesn't repeat, so they say, but it often rhymes. After a long and no doubt harrowing voyage down the Atlantic, around Cape Horn, and back up through the Pacific, for there was no Panama Canal in those days, Damien landed on the Hawaiian island of Oahu in March of 1864, where he was welcomed by his fellow missionaries. Two months later, on the 21st of May, he was finally ordained a priest at the Cathedral of Our Lady of Peace the center of the Catholic mission to Hawaii, which you can still visit today in Honolulu. He was 24 years old, and his life's great work was about to begin. Before we go any further, it may help to know a little more about Hawaii itself in the age that Damien lived there. Today, of course, we all know Hawaii as America's 50th state, a beautiful chain of tropical islands that draw more than their fair share of tourists, marine biologists, and of course surfers. But back in Damien's day, all that still lay in the future. The Hawaii that Damien knew was not part of the United States. It wasn't even a colony of the United States. No. Hawaii at that time was an independent nation. The islands were ruled by a constitutional monarchy, modeled on the British and American systems, with a bicameral legislature of lords and commons, and a written constitution. From that brief description, I'm sure you can guess that there was a lot of European influence in Hawaii. Even though the islands remained independent, they were increasingly drawn into the, uh international community. In other words, into Anglo-American world hegemony. There's a reason why the Hawaiian flag to this day bears a Union Jack. It's based on the ensign of the British East India Company. In fact, the Kingdom of Hawaii owed its very existence to foreign arms and advisors. The first king of Hawaii, Kamehameha the Great, had only been able to unite the islands under his rule with the help of British and American guns. As an aside, you may remember from episode 4 on Blessed Lucy and Bodavasoa that something similar was happening around the same time in Madagascar. Many once-isolated nations were following this same path in the 19th century with European contacts giving native tribal chieftains a chance to dominate their rivals and build states. It should come as no surprise that these foreign gifts had a price tag. Hawaii had many abundant natural resources, the most important being sugarcane, which Anglo-American businessmen were eager to exploit. As the kingdom struggled along through the 19th century, 
More and more land was bought up by foreigners to start sugar plantations. But the outsiders brought more than money. They also brought disease. Owing to their position in the middle of the Pacific, the people of Hawaii had been fairly isolated from the wider world for over a thousand years before they first made contact with the famous English explorer, Captain James Cook, in 1778. Like the indigenous peoples of the Americas, the Hawaiians had no native resistance to many of the pathogens borne by Europeans. Syphilis, gonorrhea, measles, mumps, smallpox, cholera, bubonic plague, the flu. The list could go on. Within 20 years of first contact, the population of Hawaii had been cut in half and it would continue to fall throughout much of the 19th century. With the native population devastated, the new sugarcane planters had barely anyone to work their fields. Those few Hawaiians who had survived the epidemics had little interest in cutting sugarcane for low pay to make a bunch of foreigners rich. Most preferred to keep hunting, fishing, and foraging, as they'd done for generations. So, the plantation owners had to import labor from abroad, mostly from China, whose civil wars had displaced millions, and it was probably from these immigrant workers that yet another disease reached Hawaii for the first time. Leprosy. Leprosy has plagued the old world, for thousands of years. Thankfully, antibiotics have more or less eradicated the disease from the modern world. But throughout most of history, people lived in terror of contracting this horrible affliction. I'll spare you the details in case you're listening with children or trying to eat lunch, but for context, leprosy is a skin disease that slowly shuts down the body one limb at a time. It's visually repulsive and extremely deadly. So it makes sense that most societies down the ages have taken extreme measures to control the spread of leprosy, forcing its victims to live in isolated leper colonies to avoid all contact with the uninfected. This is why lepers show up so often in the Bible as examples of the hopeless and outcast people who were loved and healed by Jesus Christ. But Hawaiians had never been exposed to leprosy before the 19th century. And when the disease arrived on the islands, it soon claimed thousands of lives. Desperate to save his people, in 1865, King Kamehameha V, descendants of the Great Unifier, ordered that lepers be quarantined at a colony called Kalawao on the little island of Molokai. The Hawaiian government, weak and impoverished after decades of depopulation, provided little help to these victims of leprosy. 
who, by the nature of their disease, could not provide for themselves. Their condition was truly wretched, with around 600 lepers living in abject squalor on Molokai. Over the next several years, the Vicar Apostolic of the Hawaiian Islands, basically the head of the church in Hawaii, a priest named Louis Desiree Magret, learned of the plights of the leper colony, and wanted to do whatever he could to help the poor souls. It was clear that the lepers needed help from outside, but traveling to Molokai and living among the victims of a horrifying disease must have seemed like a death sentence. Magray was not willing to order anyone to go, so he asked his priests for volunteers. The very first to sign up was Father Damien. Damien arrived at the leper colony on the 10th of May, 1873. It must have been a desolate scene. Without a house for the uninfected, he had to sleep outside, under the shade of a tree. But he did not let the dire state of the colony deter him. Damien immediately set about tending to the manifold needs of the lepers, needs that ranged from the great to the simple. He built houses, painted walls, and made furniture, so that these people could have the dignity of proper homes. He treated the sores of the living, and buried the dead, who would otherwise have been left to rot in the open air. And he built a church dedicated to St. Philomena, where he could offer them the sacraments. On top of these remarkable labors, he cared for the lepers of Molokai in simple human ways that reminded them how much they truly mattered to God. He would share meals with them, smoke pipes with them, and even help them get dressed when the later stages of the disease made it too difficult to do alone. Damien would carry out this incredible ministry for the next 16 years, showing no fear of the deadly disease that surrounded him. In time, word of his work spread throughout the Hawaiian Islands and far beyond. Damien soon became something of an international celebrity, prompting many Catholics and other Christians to donate supplies to his Molokai mission. The Hawaiian governments at last began to take notice, implementing reforms to improve the leper colony and make life more livable for its people. Damien himself received state honors, and was even presented with a knighthood by the Princess of Hawaii, Liliowakalani. If you're an American, you may vaguely remember her name from history class, as she would go on to become the last queen of Hawaii before the islands were annexed by the United States. In December of 1884, more than a decade into his ministry, Damien was preparing for a bath when he accidentally stepped into a tub of boiling water. 
looking down, he saw his skin beginning to blister from the heat, but he felt no pain. That could only mean one thing. Father Damien had finally contracted leprosy. He would live for another five years, continuing his work as the disease slowly consumed him. During these last years of his life, he became close friends with a host of fascinating characters who had come to Molokai inspired by his good works. His Japanese doctor and pioneering leprologist, Goto Masanao, a U.S. Civil War veteran named Joseph Dutton, now honored as a servant of God, who had escaped a life of alcoholism, found the Catholic faith, and committed his life to the good of others as a secular Franciscan. And a German missionary sister named Marion Cope, who would continue Damien's work after his death, but, remarkably, would never contract leprosy. The last, like Damien, is now a saint of the church. Despite his illness, Damien did not allow his final years to be wasted. He kept working on new projects, like a hospital and an orphanage, with the help of his new companions, devoting himself entirely to the service of his now-fellow lepers. Eventually, the disease became so advanced that he had to be confined to bed, where he was attended by his companions, as he himself had attended so many dying lepers before. Then, at eight in the morning on the 15th of April, 1889, Father Damien passed away at the age of 49. He was buried the following day beneath the same tree that had first given him shelter after his arrival on Molokai. Even though leprosy is now a thing of the past in most parts of the world, there's a lot we can learn today from the life of St. Damien. Here was a man who proved himself fearless in the face of a deadly disease, who never shied away from helping the most marginalized people in the world for fear of becoming like them. He showed absolute altruism in his self-sacrificing love, truly following the way of Christ all the way to the cross. He was not a miracle worker in life, though miracles would be attributed to him after his death. He simply did whatever he could do for the lepers of Molokai, serving them as best he could in ways both big and small. Whatever our own callings may be, we can all learn some of the simple, loving-kindness that made Damien such a hero to the people he helped. Believe it or not, Father Damien actually proved a controversial figure in his own lifetime and shortly thereafter. 
He was posthumously attacked by another prominent missionary in Hawaii, the Presbyterian minister Charles Hyde, who called Damien a coarse, dirty man who had merely taken credits for the work of others. But Damien's good name was soon defended by many prominent voices, including none other than Robert Louis Stevenson, the famed author of Treasure Island, and, ironically enough, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Stevenson had visited Molokai just after Damien's death and seen the late father's work for himself. And on the basis of what he'd seen, he correctly predicted in his reply to Charles Hyde that Damien would one day be made a saint. A prediction that was finally realized more than a century later, on the 11th of October, 2009, when Pope Benedict XVI added Damien to the Canon of Saints. Saint Damien of Molokai is commemorated on the 10th of May in the Catholic Church. He is, of course, the patron of lepers, but we can surely pray to him for all manner of causes, for courage in facing disease and death, for selfless love to give to others, for little ways to show compassion to those most in need. If you would like to learn more about Damien and deepen your own devotion to him, I've included links to prayers and other resources in the show notes, including information for pilgrims who would like to venerate his relics, which now reside in Belgium and Hawaii. You'll also find links to our Patreon, where you can help support the show and receive access to bonus episodes available only to patrons. May St. Damien of Molokai, Martyr of Charity, come to our aid now and always, for the greater glory of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening, and God bless.